Well, hey, two weeks ago, we started a four-week series called Formed, and we are looking at four ways that God shapes and forms us in our lives and how we can actually partner with God and to become actually more than we are now and become who God really believes and desires us to be, kind of a best version of ourselves. We all have that desire to just become who we know we can become, but just don't quite know how to get there. So week one, we talked about how God has used your family of origin to kind of form you into who you are now, and that can either hold you back or he can actually use that to propel you forward into a new future and into a new direction in your life. Um, last week, we talked about uh, your friendships, the friends that you've had in the past, how they've shaped you, the friends you have currently, and how your friends in the future are going to really shape and form who you become and what you do with your life. And we kind of said this, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And that really doesn't change no matter how old you get. Um, we we kind of rub off on each other. That's how God designed us. Uh, well, this week, we are talking about faith and how your faith or lack of faith in Jesus has not only formed your worldview and your view of yourself, but in large part determines how you are going to handle the challenges and trials and decisions in your future. Um, that faith component of your life can either hold you back if you are struggling with it or lacking faith in God, um, or as it grows and catches fire, it can actually propel you into a completely different trajectory of your life that could very well be exactly what you've always wanted it to be as your faith grows. And this is a great week for those of you that are in the room and you're... Um, you're, you're skeptical of Jesus. Maybe you're skeptical of organized religion, or uh, you're just not into the Jesus thing yet. You're just you're checking it out. Um, it's a great day to be here because I wanna I wanna talk us through three areas that we struggle with when it comes to our faith and stepping out in faith. And these are the same whether you are a follower of Jesus or not. And that's what I love about about days like today because we're gonna talk about three areas that you're gonna have to enter into in the future that God has for you um, that you're gonna have to wrestle down your faith to get through. And so let me. Pray for us before we jump in. Um, Lord, thank you for today. Um, God, I thank you for opportunities to impact the world. Uh, Lord, we're, we're so small um, individually when it comes to um, the 8 billion people on this planet, but when we partner together and, and partner with a cause that you have that, that is impactful, uh, Lord, we really can um, impact lives um, half a world away. And God, I thank you for opportunities like this. And God, as we start to talk about faith, Father, might you just open our eyes and ears to hear your voice. God, I pray that, that, that people in here, that, that we wouldn't hear my voice. We would only hear you, your voice speaking through me, God. So I just invite you here, invite your presence here, and invite you to speak truth into our lives in a new and fresh way that might actually change us for the better in our futures. In your holy name, amen. Um, so as we have throughout this series, we have really been... Um, using the stor stories from the life of King David, um, and he is one of the renowned kings of Scripture. He's a man after God's own heart, um, not a perfect man by any means. If you know his story, he made some pretty incredible mistakes in his life, and, and what I love about the Bible is the Bible really is the story of God's grace that shows up throughout throughout his interaction with man to the point where he uses men and women that are not perfect to do incredible things. It gives you an I hope because we don't have to be perfect to be used by God. We don't have to get everything right before God can use us to do incredible things. And so I want to use um, one of the stories from early in David's life where he began to reveal his faith in God and his trust in God. Um, and it kind of gives us a glimpse into um, what formed him into the king of Israel. And you kind of get a glimpse as to why God might have chosen him to be the next king. And we're going to be looking at a story that many of you have heard of. Maybe you don't know the details, but you've heard of it. 
It's the story of David and Goliath. Um, and I'll just tell you, this story is why the term David and Goliath is used today in our culture to talk about like an underdog matchup. It's like UCF playing Duke in the NCAA tournament, right? Did you guys watch that last week? Were you not sad with me, even though Goliath plays for UCF, right? Um, it just, it made me so sad when they lost. It's like, I want Duke to lose. They're like New England Patriots and Green Bay Packers. You just want them to lose every time they play. Um, maybe you're not like that. I am. Don't hate. All right, so um, let me get back on track. There are some things in the story of David and Goliath that relate directly to many of our faith journeys, and I want to bring those up. This directly, there's things in David and Goliath's story that directly relate to why some of our faith in this room is waning, or um, maybe uh, it used to be on fire, but it died down as life kind of took over and life began to kind of wrap its arms around us and pull us down, or our faith has kind of died down, or maybe your faith is just like there's just just embers that are left of a fire that used to be there, or maybe there's not even embers anymore, maybe just a little wisp of smoke um, is is where your faith is at right now. And we want to talk about um, some things in the story of David and Goliath that have led to you being there, and what do you do about it? Um, If you're new to Jesus and you're just checking out the faith thing, I want to give you three things to wrestle through um, for your faith to catch fire And uh, to set up the story, uh, we find it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, So you like open your Bible to the middle and go to the left. That's where the Old Testament is. Um, It's the army of Israel with King Saul as the the king. They're setting up battle lines against their arch enemies, the Philistines, and uh, thousands of troops on both sides. So envision Braveheart, right? Um, When they all bring their battle lines and there's a big field and valley in between and they're going to fight down in the valley. Every morning for 40 days, the the Israelites and the Philistines put their battle lines down, and Goliath, a a man named Goliath, would walk out from the Philistines' rank and taunt the Israelites and just say, hey, if anyone can come out from there and beat me, we will become your servants. If if if, If I beat you, you have to become our servants. Not one of the Israelite army would ever come out of the ranks of the Israelites to fight Goliath. This goes on for 40 days, and here's why. Number one, really simple. He is nine foot, nine inches tall. That is how tall Goliath is. His chest plate that he wore for battle was 125 pounds of chest plate, um, bronze leg armor, helmet, a javelin. It says the tip of his javelin weighed 15 pounds, and just for reference, um, uh, a, a gallon of milk, if you carry a gallon of milk, weighs eight pounds. So two gallons of milk on the end of a spear, um, you know, shaped like an arrowhead, uh, and he could throw it with force. That's how strong he was. On top of that, he had an armor bearer that would actually go ahead of him in battle that was probably almost as big as he was. Now, I want to give you some visual perspective, too, because sometimes say David and Goliath, and we don't have any reference points for how big nine foot nine inches is. And so um, I, I, years ago, I had a buddy of mine who uh, worked for Cirque du Soleil, him and his wife had previous to that, and I, I went to Martin. I said, Martin, could you make me a life-size cutout of Goliath? Like, I want to see what this guy really, really looked like. And so he got together with his wife, and they painted up this nine-foot-nine-inch version of Goliath. And I want to show you him next to Martin, who's about five-foot-eight. So here you go. This is what they made up. Um, there you go. That is how tall Goliath was in real life. Now, um, I want to give you a second picture reference, because Martin's only five-eight, and that's how big Goliath looked next to Martin. Um, So um, 
when I'm doing chapels for the Orlando Magic, um, when I talk about David and Goliath and I work through the story of David, oftentimes I, will, um, I, w- I need a reference point for them to realize how big Goliath is because all of those guys in the room are big. Like, they're all huge. They're all like 6'6 six, six plus, and it's like I'm a little baby man next to him at six foot. And so, so um, I, uh, a few years ago, um, I put a, uh, a taped like outline of how big Goliath would have been. And I'm sitting in the chapel room and I'm like, and you've got some of the Orlando magic and I don't know who we were playing at the time, but I said on the count of three, I want everybody in the room to point to the biggest guy in the room. And that's always fun to do. And so everybody in the room, when I say three, points to my fa- one of my favorite players at the time. His name is Andrew Nicholson. He no longer plays for the magic. He's overseas now. But Andrew is six foot nine inches tall. And I had Andrew stand up in front of Goliath like this. Here's a picture of it just to give you reference. That is a six foot nine man in front of a nine foot nine inch Goliath. That's how big Goliath was. And so I have one more picture for you because some of you skeptics might hear me going, that is impossible. There's no such thing as a nine foot nine man. Well, let me show you a picture of a guy named Robert Wadlow, born in 1918, tallest person that we have on record in recent history. And so let's go ahead and put the picture up. He reached eight foot 11 inches by the time he died. 439 pounds is how how heavy he was. And that's 8 foot 11. Goliath had 7 inches on him. I can't even imagine how scary that must have been for the army and for David to process going out and fighting a guy like that. But that is what David was facing, which gets me to us. And this is kind of where we kind of can correlate our lives with the story of David. And that's this. We all face Goliaths in our life. We all face Goliaths, things that we're afraid of things that seem um, insurmountable, things that we don't think we can get past. And, and just to give you some, a little bit of, uh, of, of, uh, of definition of Goliath, they're, they're, um, they're whatever voice on the outside is stronger than the voice that you should be listening to on the inside and kind of overrules your voice on the inside. Um, Goliaths are whatever um, circumstance on the outside is causing you to lose perspective on the inside. We have things that happen to us. Goliaths are whatever um, challenge you face in your life that is the most difficult. Um, It's the one that requires you to move ahead, but you have to move ahead in faith because you don't know what's going to happen. It's it's making the telephone call that that you don't want to, but you know God is really nudging you to do. It's it's forgiving the person that has really hurt you maybe most in your life, and you know God wants you to forgive them, and that's the last thing you want to do is forgive them because you've been holding onto it for so long, and that is just a Goliath in your life. What's interesting about it is they don't have to be huge by everybody's standards. They just have to be huge to you. They have to be big enough for you to go, I don't know that I can make it through this in my life. And so to overcome these Goliaths in our life, I want to give you three things that you're going to have to wrestle with that the army of Israel and David had to wrestle with to, uh, to, to defeat their Goliath. And so we're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel 17. The battle lines are drawn. Here comes Goliath, 1 Samuel 17, verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. That's a key phrase. You are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. And that brings up the very first thing that you and I are going to have to wrestle with when it comes to facing difficult things in our lives that require faith in God to step up to. They wrestled with fear. It was just fear. 
the first hurdle that David had to get over, the first thing you and I are going to often have to get over to face the Goliath in our life is fear. Fear of stepping out in faith. For some of you, there are things that God wants to do in your life right now that require faith and trust in him, and fear is holding you back. And it's fear of the unknown. It's fear of failing. It's fear of not knowing what to say. It's fear of losing status. It's, it's fear of God asking you to become a missionary in Africa. Um, it's fear of not liking what God wants for your life. What if, what, what if God wants you to do something that you don't want to do? It's, it's fear of giving up control. For some of you, you don't want to, you, you don't want to say, Jesus, take the wheel. You're like, I got the wheel and I'm just fine right now. You know, like that's kind of how you're going through life. It's, 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 it's fear of running a half or a full marathon. There, there's a fear there. It's like, I don't think I can do that. Goliath was scary. There was a reason for 40 days why the Israelite army, not one man, and these were not like elementary kids that were behind the shields on the Israelite side. These were fighting men. There's a reason why for 40 days they were paralyzed because they were afraid. And Goliath wasn't only intimidating in stature, he was intimidating with his words. That, that phrase I told you earlier where he said, you are only the servants of Saul? Well, the truth is they were servants of the one and only living God, but Goliath was taking their focus off of their faith in God and was putting it in a man, Saul, who was as scared as they were. I don't think we ever realized that, but Goliath was just saying, you're only servants of Saul. You, you can only trust in a man to get you through, and he's the king, and I can whip him too. They had forgotten that they were the armies of God. I love what one of my favorite speakers and authors says about this. He says, he says his name is Louis Giglio. He says, some people are defined by the bigness of God, while others are defined by the smallness of man. And I love what he's saying there. He's like, some people live their life defined by the bigness of their God that they follow, how big God is. Other people live their life defined by the smallness and the inadequate inadequacy of man, of themselves. So let me apply this to you and me um, because it's hard to have faith sometimes when we're afraid, um, you know, when we know what it is, the right thing to do is and we are um, afraid to do it when we don't stand up for what's right at work because we're afraid for our job. Um, maybe you've been there or we don't end the negative relationship um, that we have and we know we need to, but we're, we're just afraid of being alone. Um, we don't speak up in a crowd because we're afraid of being made fun of. We don't step out in faith because we don't know if God's going to take care of us. Um, and maybe we don't want to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, even, we, even though we know God's nudging us that way because we're, we're afraid um, he might change us. He might, I've, I've had people say that to me, I'm afraid of what God might do if I give him my life. What if he changes me? And, and I'm like, but don't you want to change? Um, and what you find in this story is we're not too different from Saul's army. Some of us, many of us, we have Goliaths in our life, and, 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 and we are, um, that Goliath is sowing fear into our life, sowing fear into our heart. And so the question is, where in your life is fear in some way holding you back from trusting God? And I want to give you hope because this is what David knew. And if you're sitting there, if you were willing to admit it and you're, you're honest with yourself, you go, man, the truth is I'm just afraid. Um, let, me just, let me just speak into that and give you hope. God is bigger than whatever you're facing. God's just bigger. He's bigger. He can handle it. Somehow, when David looked at Goliath, he saw what everybody else saw, a, six, a nine foot nine killing machine. He saw that. But he also could see that God was bigger at the same time. See, when our faith is on fire, when God's got a hold of us and we're leaning into him, we can see past the Goliaths in our lives to a big God that's able to handle whatever comes our way. 
So if fear is what you're struggling with when it comes to your faith, you just need to know God's bigger than whatever you're facing. He can handle it and he will. Now, this is where David enters into the story. That kind of sets the scene. David is a shepherd boy at this point. He is sent by dad to bring bread and treats to his older brother. He's basically a care package deliverer to the front line where his brothers were in, uh, on the front line cowering in fear. So David shows up. 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 20. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. They draw up their battle line. And this brings up the second thing they wrestled with, which is what you and I wrestle with when it comes to faith. They wrestled with fear, first and foremost. The second thing is they wrestled with understanding. They wrestled with understanding what was going on. As they went to that day for battle, they did the same thing they had done for 40 days now. They just did the same thing again, 40th day, and they didn't understand that God had something huge planned for that day, and then nobody knew what it was. That was the day they were about to experience this incredible victory, and no one in a million years would have guessed that that is how God was going to get them out of this. They lacked understanding. They didn't know God's plan. This is why following Jesus is a walk of faith. If you ever lean into faith in Jesus, you need to know. You, you don't know his plans. We don't have the ability to look ahead. We just have to trust God that as we follow him through the next door, through the next, in the next direction that he has for us, we need to trust that it's going to be okay. A lot of times we don't understand what God is going to do or how he will do it, and it's a faith killer. It kills our faith because we don't understand what's going on. We want answers before we step out in faith, right? We want to know if we're going to win before we step into battle. We want to know if we're going to succeed. We want to know if everything's going to work out how we want it to if we say yes to whatever opportunity comes our way or whichever way God is kind of leaning, uh, kind of pressing on us to go. We want full understanding, but rarely does God give us all the details. That's why it's called faith. And that's why when you talk to people that have gone through difficult circumstances and God has actually slayed the Goliaths in their life, they look back and they will tell you, they say, I never would have guessed that God would have handled this, that God would have done what he did because hindsight's always twenty twenty. So what do we do when we can't see his hand in a situation? Because oftentimes we, we can't. What do we need to trust? We need to trust in God's heart. We need to trust in his promises. We need to trust that he loves us. We need to trust that, that he's going to fulfill the promises he's made to each one of us. That's how you step forward in faith. And I'll just tell you, 12 years ago, um, coming here to Florida was not even an idea in our mind 12 years ago. We had no idea that God was kind of setting the stage and setting our life on a course that would, where we would eventually end up in Florida. Little did we know when God laid out um, the opportunity to trust him with our future and move here to start this church, 12 years later, we would still be raising our family here and not only raising our family here, we would still love it here. 12 years later, we would love the people here. Like, we love you guys. This is home. We are raising our kids here. I'm, I'm like, I tell people, I hope to be put in the ground here someday. I really do. Not any day soon, but like a long time from now. In the ground. It's like, th this is home. This is, this is family. This is what the mission field that God's called us to. Little did we know 12 years ago that this is what God had in mind and that his hand was even directing us here. But as he began to present opportunities and we step forward in faith, he would, he, he like gives you one step at a time. You know, we say, God, give us the next five steps and then we'll go. Or give us the next 10 steps and we'll see if we like the destination and then we'll go. God just says, just trust me with one step. Little did the Israel army know that that day God was going to deliver him. They thought it was just going to be another day just like the previous 30, 39. Little did they know how. 
And so if you're struggling with understanding in your faith, you don't know how God can work out your struggle, you're Goliath. And that Goliath is standing in your way, and that lack of understanding is keeping you from stepping out on faith. I want to give you hope today. And that's this, God is not surprised by your circumstances. God's not surprised by your Goliath. He already knows the solution. He's not surprised. He already knows the solution, and it's not too difficult for him. And this is where David was sitting. He might not have understood how this was going to work out, but all he knew is that, God, you're not surprised by this. You already know how this is going to work out, and this isn't too difficult for you. And so he steps into the fun part of the story, because this is just, just fantastic. 1 Samuel 17, 22, David left his things with the keeper of supplies, hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out with the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Verse 26, David asked the soldiers nearby. Like you can kind of get an idea of David here, like how gutsy this kid is. He's a teenager, by the way. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? And who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And right in that sentence, you start to see that David has an incredibly different perspective on this battle. See, to the Israelite soldiers, to David, they are not servants of Saul. They are not putting their faith in a man. They are the armies of the living God. This isn't just any army. This is God's army that's up against the Philistines. David has a different perspective of the truth. And that perspective informs his faith. And so David starts acting or asking around this teenage kid that, that is talking about what happens if somebody kills Goliath. His brothers catch wind. And you need to go read this story in your Bible. Um, David's brothers catch wind, and they, they, they confront him about it. They, they ridicule him about it. They put him down. He's only a boy. So David goes to King Saul himself, and here's where we find the third thing that they wrestled with that you and I are going to wrestle with too. But before I give that to you, um, we're going to receive our offering. And so um, for those of you that are here and you're visiting first couple of times, let me just tell you, um, we're not interested in your finances. Um, ushers, if you guys want to go ahead and get ready and come on down. Um, we're not interested in your finances. A lot of people are like, all the church wants is our money. And I'll just tell you, we don't. We actually believe that this service is our gift to you. Like, we're, we're so thankful that you're here. And, and I hope that God's speaking to you right now. Really, what this moment is for is for those who call Kensington home that are on mission with us, that believe in what we're doing. This is where you give back to God from what he's blessed you with. This is where you give back to God and say, thank you, God, for the resources and provisions that you've given me. And I'm going to do what you ask and give back to you a small portion of what you've blessed me with. And for those of you that give online, thank you for that as well. You guys are a blessing to all of us here. You keep us on mission. You are the rocket fuel that keep us moving ahead in, in, uh, in fulfilling the mission that God has for us. So let me get back to the story. David goes to Saul and this is what he said. And I love this, man. David is gutsy. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. So think of it. Teenage boy walks up to the king. 40 days, no one has broken ranks to fight Goliath. And David comes up, don't worry about him. I'll fight him. And Saul responds how you and I would. Don't be ridiculous. What, what are you thinking? Are you crazy? That's what he says. Saul replied, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly 
when you are only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Saul is just looking at him and going, David, no way, dude. Not even letting this, get the thought out of your head. You're a boy. You cannot fight a man like that. And what Saul is doing is he's revealing that he wrestles with his faith and wrestles with the same part of his faith that many of us do, what they were wrestling with, what Saul was wrestling with, what you and I are going to have to wrestle with when God is asking us to step out in faith. They wrestled with fear. They wrestled with understanding, and they wrestled with probability. He was wrestling with probability. Saul says, look, I'm sure the other people, they calculated the odds of success. And they went, David, Goliath. And they went, nope, not going to work. They went, David, Goliath. David, just not going to work. They're, look, we're professionals. That's what I'm sure I can see him. Look, we've done this before. We have fought in battles and we have won. We know what's going on. And let me just tell you, the probabilities of this working out are about nil to zero to negative 50, if that can actually work in probability. Um, but that's just what's going on. There's no way this is going to work. And I'm telling you, when God asks us to step out in faith, we do the same. We start calculating the, the, the probabilities. We calculate the odds because we know our stuff. We know our finances. We know our business. The odds are stacked against us. The odds don't work in our favor. Can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. That's not going to work. The odds are too great. The probability of success is really, really low. David could have done that, and no one would have looked down on him. Do you realize that? David could have said, I'll take him on, and Saul said, you're just a boy. He's like, oh, crap, I am. You're right. I'm not going to do that. You know, he could have totally did that, and no one would have looked at him and said, you wuss. They would have said, you're right. Don't do it, man. Probability. Don't do it. But not David. Probability didn't matter to David. And I love this. David goes to Saul and he makes his case. He says, Saul, look, God has already delivered me in my life. He's delivered me from a bear that came to take some of my sheep. And I killed it with my bare hands, pun intended. You'll get it in a minute. I'll give you a second. Um, Saul, I've killed a lion. It was nothing but my hands. God delivered me from them. He will deliver me from this Philistine just like that. And Saul finally relents. He says, okay. He says, do it. So David grab, grabs his slingshot grabs five smooth stones, breaks through the line of the Israelites to face Goliath. Goliath sees a teenage boy walk out with no armor, with nothing but a slingshot in his hand. And this is what Goliath says. 1 Samuel 17, verse 38. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? See, what is, what is Goliath doing? Probability. He's like, ha okay. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Well, David replies back to the Philistine, Oh, you come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the bird and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And I love this. Like Goliath goes, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you, and I'm going to feed your body to the birds and wild animals. And David's like, oh yeah, you, me, I'm going to kill you, cut off your head, and then I'm going to feed all of your men's bodies to the birds and wild animals. I love this kid, right? It's like, who talks like this? 
And he goes on, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescued his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Can you imagine having faith like that? Can you imagine having the kind of faith that any Goliath standing in your way, any obstacle that you just feel like you can't get through, you can actually look at it and see God and go, today, the Lord's going to conquer you. Today, the Lord's going to give you to me. Verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and to add insult to injury, pulls Goliath's sword from his sheath and used it to kill him and then cut off his head. Like, how awesome is that? Like, that's good stuff. That's a good movie scene right there. Um, one interesting note, okay, just on a side, this is the kind of faith David had. He grabbed five stones. Have you ever heard why? Because as you read later in Scripture, Goliath had four brothers who were all giants. And David's going, okay, I'm pretty sure I can take out Goliath. But I think I need four more stones because his brothers might be a little tougher. That's David's formula. That's the kind of faith he had. David knew something that those of us who struggle with probability, he knew something that we need to know. And here's where the hope is, is that God trumps all odds. God trumps all odds. God's still in control. He's still on the throne. He hasn't left us to fend for ourselves. And so let me close with this. Whatever battle you face that seems overwhelming right now to you, um, whatever circumstances um, or circumstance has sown fear in your heart, um, whatever situation seems impossible to resolve right now, whatever odds are stacked against you that seem too great, will you trust God and step out in faith? Will you trust God in this moment and step out in faith and do what he's asking you to do? See, David made up his mind before the story ended that he was going to win. He made up his mind that God was bigger than, not surprised by, has control over all circumstances. David had already decided that. And he hadn't even read the story of David and Goliath. Supposed to be funny. Sorry, but bad. But I love that because David had made up his mind before he knew how the story ended. Because he knew the ending he didn't want. He knew the ending he couldn't live with. So he chose to trust God. And so I want to leave you with a couple questions. And that is this. Where in your life are you living like the Israelite army? Where in your life are you cowering in fear and letting Goliath focus you on the power of man away from the power of God? Where are you doing that right now? Where in your life are you wrestling with fear, understanding, and probability? And God right now is just saying, trust me. Don't be afraid. I've got this. I'm bigger than. I can handle this. Just walk with me and I will show you the way. Maybe that's even keeping you from accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe if you're honest, you haven't crossed the line of faith because you're just afraid. Or you just don't understand how this works. But you know God wants you to today. Like, today's your day. Maybe you're just calculating the odds and you're going, man, I don't don't know if this is going to be a good thing. I don't know if the odds are in my favor. So would you let God ignite your faith today? Would you let him do that? Would you today accept his love and sacrifice on the cross for you? Would you step out in faith because God is bigger than 
not surprised by and has control over any circumstance in your life? Would you let God set your faith on fire so that you might face the difficulties and the Goliaths of your life like David did with eyes that saw what David saw? that's where God wants to get you. That's the kind of faith God wants you to live with. And that kind of faith will change the trajectory and the course of your life from your bones as you take your last breath out this morning. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for today. Thank you for stories like this in scripture with men like David who were not perfect by any means, but had faith in you and trust in you that you would deliver even from the, the most difficult situations in our life. Lord, I pray that we might become men and women like that who just have strong faith. God, ignite our faith on fire. And Lord, for anyone in this moment right now that they're ready to step across the line of faith and they're ready to just let go of the fear and the lack of understanding and trust you, God, I pray that you would just welcome them in with open arms as they invite you into their life to be their Lord and Savior. And God, for those of us right now that are just struggling in our faith, God, might you bring strength and warmth and heat and fire to our faith that we might live like David's and live victorious, conquering all. In your holy name.